Hello and welcome to the Microfounders podcast, where we interview non-technical professionals who have turned their ideas or side projects into profitable independent businesses, such as online courses, consultancies, coaching, or SaaS products using no-code or low-code tools. Each episode will be packed with actionable strategies and frameworks to help other non-technical professionals launch their own independent businesses as either a side project or as a means to transition away from traditional employment completely. In this episode, my guest Louis Levine shares his experience as a non-technical professional who was previously a product leader at companies like Centivo, Apostroph, and Healthgrades before going ahead and launching his independent consultancy. Now Louis is a product leadership consultant where he supports early stage tech companies with a wide range of product roles and services, including head of product leadership, roadmap strategy and execution, and strategic planning and goal setting. In this episode, we'll discuss how Lewis got started with his independent consultancy business and how others can do the same. We'll cover how to find mentors and role models for guidance and inspiration. And finally, we'll talk about the importance of failure in starting a business and what he's learned from those experiences and how he's improved his independent businesses from those experiences. So let's jump right in. Lewis, it's great having you here and I'd love to jump right in and talk about your background. As I understand, you know, you're a non-technical professional who has started in the product space, who worked your way up to becoming a director at multiple companies. And at some point you thought to yourself, you know what, screw this, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go travel for about a year, I think. And you went to Thailand and Philippines and maybe some other places that I don't recall. And then obviously coming back, you decided to launch your own independent venture. And so I'd love to learn a bit more about that journey and some of the main reasons why you left to travel and then just your thought process with starting your independent venture. Yeah, absolutely. So my career has really been an intersection between product, technology, healthcare, and insurance. So I started off coming out of uni as a management consultant, decided after several years that wasn't the right path for me, at least with a big company, and then started again this career down that path. Um, So most recently over the past several years, I've served as head of product for a number of different companies. Most recently, it was a health tech startup that in May of 2021, I was fortunate enough to to get acquired. And, Mm -hmm. you know, having gone through the experience over the past decade and a half, it was at that point that I was thinking, hey, you know, I've done pretty well for myself, but it feels like a time to sort of take a step back and reevaluate things. So that's where this idea of, as you alluded to, a year on the road came out. I decided I was just going to take some time for myself and take a unique opportunity to Uh, just travel the world. So I went to 12 countries in 12 months, half of which were in Latin America, half of which Mm. were in Southeast Asia. And coming out of that, my biggest revelations were, especially around work, were really two things. One, how much of my, you know, the joy that I got was from helping, you know, continue to problem solve. So that's why I love the product space and wanted to continue within that. However, what I also found in, you know, talking with people around the world was most countries outside of the States don't tie their identity as much to work and work work culture. So really my goal was to embrace that and figure out how could I also, you know, make sure that work was only one component of 
who I was. And that's really what led to where I am now, which has been over the past six months or just consulting for a number of different other health tech startups and building out my own practice to, again, help solve as many problems as possible while making sure I have the time and space to be able to pursue other interests and activities. Yeah, love that. There's so many people that I talk to that always say they want to travel. They want to take the time and get out there, but you actually did it. And not only did you do it, you do it. You did it in 12 countries, which is pretty incredible. I want to take a quick tangent and just ask some of the learnings that you shared there in terms of what you learned from the people and, and the shift focusing away from just careers being at the center point of defining your identity and, you know, focusing on maybe a bit more pleasure and community. So what, what were those learnings exactly? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about the learnings and, you know, I think about it for two groups of people. So one were the people who you know, were residents, were the locals in all the countries that I went to. And, you know, for communities that have far less resources, far less opportunities than we have here in the States, mm -hmm. they still found their own forms of joy, whether that was to your point just now, finding that community, building, you know, stronger family bonds, et cetera. That to me was, was really inspiring and seeing that different way to live. The other group of people that really inspired me were fellow backpackers or, you know, I'm a little older, so I'll consider myself, <laughs> but these were people who also were able to say, Hey, society has told me to live one way. I'm going mm. to take a different path. And they were able to find those equal amounts of joy as well. I think. You know, we often spend so much time in our little bubbles, whether that's, you know, work, community, religion, whatever communities you have here in the States that you fail to recognize there are other ways to, to live and there are other ways to find that really deep joy in life. So those were the types of people that really inspired me and I keep as role models for how I want to yeah, continue to pursue my life and, and how career fits within that. Yeah. And so in thinking about now that you're back in the U.S., is traveling still part of the plans in the future? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm very happy to sort of take a break off the road. It's been really nice just having a home base. And near the end, it was just frustrating because just everything felt hard. So very happy. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, travel absolutely still is. I'm planning a trip to Japan in oh, wow. May and maybe headed to the UK in September. But really for me, it's about how do I continue to find those types of learnings, continue to get that perspective and not just get too stuck within the one parameters day. of one job. Yeah. Yeah. Which is again, super prevalent. Literally the reason why I'm starting this podcast is because we've been taught one linear way of thinking and of portraying ourselves in terms of careers, in terms of what we can do. It's very much, you go to school, you get a fancy degree, you get a job, you get a house, you get a, a wife, you get, or husband, you know, pet and et cetera. And then that's, that's basically it. And so what's happening now, what I'm seeing and why I'm so excited to have conversations with people like you is that there's just so many different new opportunities coming about, especially with the rise of technology. The rate of tech is just, it's always changing. And so it's just always so exciting to see people that have leveraged that to create their own paths, which quote unquote, there's an author called, uh, I think Paul Miller that talks about the pathless path, which is exactly that, right? So you're traveling a little bit, you're learning a little bit here and you're carving your own path once you're back. And so it's just cool to talk to folks like you and then to demystify that those paths so that other folks can actually join that. So 
on that topic, would love to learn a bit more about your independent venture, essentially. So in just starting out, what were some of the most anxiety-inducing parts of actually launching such an independent venture? So the most anxiety-inducing part for me was going out on my own. Every yeah. job that I had before was latching on to the coattails, and that sounds you know worse than it actually than I actually mean by that. But it was you know working with others who had already built up an idea, and others who had you know already taken that risk to start their own business. And I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit in me, but I've also been fairly risk adverse just because, you know, the idea of doing that was somewhat overwhelming to me. So, you know, just taking that first leap and realizing that, you know, I may fail pretty significantly along the way was a really difficult barrier to overcome. But part of this, you know, one of my philosophies is sort of action over thinking, action over anticipation, because we can overthink, you know, all of the different ways that something could go wrong. So for me, it was like, all right, I want to try this. I want to pursue it. So mm -hmm. start talking with folks and see what's out there. Yeah, you, you brought up failure, which is one of the very common things that I keep hearing is the the risk of failure is so high, why even bother, mm -hmm. right? But in trying, there's so many new skills, like such skills such as being resilient. Building resiliency during peak times like COVID was such a power, powerful skill for me. And so it's interesting. So I want to dig into the failure parts a little bit more. So essentially, how has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Yeah, so when I think about failure, you know, I, I can think of it in a couple of ways. You know, one of the things that I've found consistently throughout my past life and through even the travels was that everything sort of leads up to the point where you are right now. So, you know, one of the mantras that I have um, just on a daily basis is I am where I'm supposed to be. That literally mm. you and I are sitting here together in this moment because of all of the successes that I've had in the past that have allowed me to build this business, but also all of the failures. The fact that, so I, I will get a little personal here. Yeah, please. Part of the reason why I took this year off and one of the things or one of my goals was I had gone through a breakup over COVID and mm. I, this was the first time in, you know, decade and a half that I, that I had no real roots aside from, you know, a couple of things here, here out in Denver. But when I think back now on the past three years, I would not be in this place right now had I not gone through that breakup, had I not done mm. a lot of work for myself, had I not taken the risk to go on that trip to have these insights, et cetera. So, uh, you know, I may not totally classify the breakup as a, a complete failure, but it was obviously a low point in my life. And it was something that, you know, not only set me up for the success and, and the, you know, insight and joy that I have now, but also, you know, it will continue to serve me over time. So, you know, that's one way I think of it. We can also go into, you know, some of the failures in even starting this venture around you know, things that scope correctly with clients, but all of those will make sure that in the future, I'm going to, for example, create tighter statements of work. I'm going to have clearer boundaries with my clients, et cetera. So, you know, I try to take a look at all of these failures, learn from them and just make sure not to repeat them in the future. 
Yeah. I love the power of now of just being present. There was this interview with a, a, a very famous monk, a Tibetan monk. I don't remember his name, but they basically asked him, you've achieved so much in your life. What's been one of the most interesting periods of your life. And his answer was, I think now. So just with this interviewer being in the present, living and breathing this air, he was just like, a lot of those things that happened in the past were interesting, but just being present with you is very important to me. Yeah, that, 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 that's great. I, so one of my sort of seminal books is something called the book of joy. It's a conversation mm. between the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu around, you know, eight principles mm. of living a joyful life and being present is absolutely one of them. The other one that's resonated with me a lot and goes back to failure is the idea of, you know, you can't experience the highest highs without seeing the lowest lows. Mm. When, you know, they were interviewing the Dalai Lama around his feelings when he was exiled from his homeland and he had to hear stories about his, you know, people going through an immense amount of suffering. Obviously that was difficult and he said he thought about that every day. But from that came an outpouring of support from the world, came mm. his place in the world, and he's also been able to see again that interesting duality. So I, I think being able to pick up on, you know, those low points, being able to learn from them, but also seeing the great things that may come from them is, uh, is just really important. Powerful, powerful skill for sure. So and thinking about your independent venture again, what what do you like most about the fact that you've now gone independent and what are maybe certain things that you can do now that you could not do before? Yeah. Number one, having the freedom to set my own schedule and to be able to say yes and no to certain things has been a really powerful thing. Uh, like I said, also, I want to pursue things outside of just work. And again, having this flexibility is, has become really important to me. I think the other piece that's been just as important is the emotional involvement. I, the, I now am emotionally involved in my own work and something that I'm building as opposed to what someone else has built instead. And there, there's definitely a, a freedom and a great power that comes from that. Yeah. <laughs> I could not agree more because just the stress of you having to think about your baby 24 seven versus it's someone else's baby that you just happen to babysit for a little bit, yeah. you know, it's, it's powerful for sure. Curious about some of the biggest learnings that you've had so far and maybe some just of the, of the key takeaways that would be interesting for folks that are interested in starting their own independent consultancy. Yeah. So the first one I'll say is if you're even thinking about it, just get started, whether it's a side hustle or you're trying to put this out there, you know, definitely just take that action, take that first step. Second, find a lot of mentors. I've been fortunate mm. enough that I've been able to find a lot of people who are doing similar things to me. So not only do they act as mentors and being able to answer questions and help me work through some of the challenges, but also role models. Again, I think it's really important to have good role models to show that, hey, there's someone else who is taking a similar, who, you know, has decided to stop just going down again, that, that sort of normal path. And by keeping those role models in mind, it, it kind of pushes you forward. Another thing that's been really important for me 
is just creating accountability. So talking about this as much as possible. For me, that mm. is a way of keeping accountable because the more people hear about this, the less I'm going to let myself fail. Because uh -huh. <laughs> that can be a tricky part. You know, you were talking earlier about all these people who want to say, hey, I want to travel for a long time. I want to start mm. business. Mm -hmm. And my one of my first pieces of advice is, all right, this all sounds great. What's your plan and how are you going to keep yourself accountable to that? Right. There are many people who just sort of fall off the bandwagon after a few months or just sort of thinking about it for a little bit. And it's easy to fall off the bandwagon if you're intelligent, surprisingly, because a lot of smart people would end up being brought into the allure of working for a company because they're likely going to be making a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? Some of the most, some of the smartest people are working for really big tech companies and that's valuable. But again, if you're smart, it's easy to get stuck in those companies because there's always going to be a, bi a bigger incentive for you to stay there versus pursuing your dreams. There's actually, um, folks might know his name, Naval Radikant. He talks about his first startup that he started, or well, maybe not very first, but one of the most successful one being AngelList and how he was working for a company previously. And he shared with his colleagues that at the time that he was going to start this company. And then five weeks down the road, his colleagues were like, what are you still doing here? I thought you was going to start the company. Why are you here? So the shame that Naval then received made him actually kick this thing off. So the peer to peer accountability that you're talking about is incredibly powerful because as much as we believe we can keep ourselves accountable, we can have all types of tasks and to do's and, you know, lists and et cetera. The reality is if we were to share that with a peer or a mentor, incredibly more powerful. And so, which brings me to my next part with mentorship, because that's something that is, that's, has been very valuable for me as well. And it's easier said than done is what I found because it's obviously like, oh, of course we need mentors. Everyone needs mentors and advisors, build an advisory board, but the act of actually finding mentors can be incredibly hard. And so I'm curious to hear from you, who have you, how have you been able to secure your mentors and how have they been impactful in your journey so far? Yeah. So I've secured mentors in a few different ways. First are people who I've previously worked with. So. Obviously, we already have a great relationship, and as I see them grow in their career, I've just called on them on a regular basis to, you know, help me out where they can. And the great part is, especially with mentorship, most people are willing to set aside time to really help. Yeah. So it, it's been really inspiring to to see that. So, anyways, that's the first way. Second way is joining certain communities. So here in Denver, there's the Colorado Product Community, and that's mm -hmm great source, not only of networking and finding, again, like-minded folks, but they also, for example, have a formal mentor program. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's another way to, to sort of do that. And again, just continuing to network and, and talk to folks, eventually you find people who you really connect and click with. And for me, networking has never been a bad word only because I look for people who interest me and I look mm -hmm. for people I'm going to have really great conversations with. It's not about what like a transactional, what you can do for me sort of thing. It's more just about learning from each other and, and, and giving to each other. So that's been important. I do want to go back and touch on one other thing you mentioned about sure. sort of the role model piece. So there's role models, there's role models, or, or there are people who can help keep you accountable to building out your business. The other thing mm. would 
I really encourage too is also look around at the people who you surround yourself outside of just sort of the work context. Mm-hmm. The work's important too. You know, you talked about, hey, it's easier for me to get a huge paycheck from a big company. And that may be because the people you're surrounding yourself with, you know, you live in yes. a nice neighborhood, you need to mm-hmm. keep up with the differences, <laughs> and you feel like this is who your group is. But, you know, really do some evaluation. Is that the type of life that you really want to be living? And it might be difficult, but sometimes you have to look beyond your your immediate peer group if that doesn't feel like it's the authentic life that you want. And and that's also going to play into your decision to, you know, be more or less risk adverse in, in taking this jump. Yeah, could not agree more because you're a reflection of the five closest people that you're with. And if everyone is just interested in watching Netflix day and night, the odds are you're going to be watching Netflix day and night. But if they're super high achievers, of course, you know, I think it's, it's important to have a good balance of different groups of people. Cause sometimes you do want to just stay in and watch Netflix, but when it comes time to grind, you need those circles as well. And so, you know, very much what's, what's fascinating as well is again, to, to your point around Colorado product, which. Shout out to Adam and Allegra, if you guys are listening, but you know, groups like that have been foundational to helping people come together and to be able to create those networks, not just for jobs, but to help people like yourself, like myself, that's going more towards the independent route. And so there's tons of different communities like that. If folks feel like they don't have those circles, or they don't know where to begin looking. That's why I love technology so much is that there's communities for just about everything. I know a friend of mine who joined a plant community and just talking shit about people that don't own house plants. That's all they do. It's a Facebook group of like 20,000 people. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy niche, but that is what people are interested in. And so if you have interest, there's so many different communities to get out there. And it doesn't have to be a in real life situation. I moved to Denver originally because of this reason. One of the reasons is that I, I didn't really find my people when I was still in Canada and I wanted to come here to find my people, quote unquote. And I feel like I'm still searching for hurt my people. And so I'm going to continue bouncing around. But what I also realized is the, the, the network effects that exist online are insane. Again, you don't need to be in person to have these groups of people. There are companies like crew that essentially just bring about six people together on whatever topic you want to achieve. So if it is to start a business, you could join a crew and have that peer accountability, maybe once a week or once a month, it's really up to what the group sets it as, but there are so many channels for community to operate your peer group and to have that type of accountability. It's just a matter of digging a little bit. So it's digging a little bit and and I'll go back to this a lot. It's just being brave, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, telling people, this is what I'm looking for. And you know, you, you may not get a great response a lot of the time, but all it takes is one or two people to start pointing you in the right direction, point you to that right community. And that can unlock a whole new door for you. You never know where it's going to go. And that's, that's the biggest key, right? It's just start. (laughs) You talk to any entrepreneur anywhere in the world, they'll tell you, if you ask them for advice, they will be like, start, stop complaining, stop, whatever you're doing, just start, talk, talk to users and then just get out and start building. So I'm curious about your, some of maybe the obstacles that you've faced so far. In, in the journey that you've had with your independent venture? 
Yeah. So I think the first obstacle was just defining exactly what I wanted to do. You know, I had this idea of, you know, I want to be a product consultant, but that could mean a lot of different things. And what I found, you know, again, just talking with folks and lining up my first couple of clients was it really was about, you know, honing in on what my previous experience is and the value that I could bring to particular groups of, in this case, you know, health tech startup founders. So I think just defining that has been difficult. So I'm getting better at it. I'm not saying I'm there, but it's steadily improving over time. I think another piece, like I mentioned, was just figuring out what the scope of what I was taking on for each of these companies was going to look mm. like. It started out really broad. I've been able to, you know, hone in a little bit more, but having those guardrails is really important to me and, uh, and was a tricky part as well. Um, the other tricky piece, and this will be ongoing, is, you know, continuing with business development. How do I continue mm. to deliver while also making sure that I'm getting my name out there, seeing where there's other opportunities and making sure that, you know, I can sort of continue growing at the pace and at the size that I want. So again, another thing that I'm newer to this, I haven't totally cracked, but is, 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 is trickier. Mm -hmm. And so, so far, what have been maybe some of the finer tactics that you've been able to use to crack the code? Specifically for business development? Of course. Yeah, for, for BD, yeah. Yeah, so for BD, uh, I think one thing is just that networking, continuing yeah. to, to talk with a few people, to continue to put myself out there and just say, hey, you know, I'll open up at, at some point. And if you have anybody you know that might need some of these services for this specific niche, certainly let me know. You know, me def also defining that this is where I want to play has also been really important because I think the more granular that you can get with what's your value proposition and how can you help other people is going to be a really, or is a really important thing and helps people visualize a little bit more how you know, I can help them or how a product could, you know, specifically serve their need at a given time. Yeah, I think that's super core because and just the fact that you're networking, but you're not just networking, you essentially doing user research at the same time, because you're learning directly from, from folks that might turn into, might convert into actual customers, which is great. But regardless of them converting, at least you're learning a whole ton from them directly, right? Absolutely. Which is incredibly powerful. And, you know, all of that can stem from just networking, from meeting tons of people, whether it's online or offline, similar to the conversations we were having before, right? And so there's so many different pathways that you can take to meet people. And so the key is just to get out there and just start talking, right? And a lot of folks I know are more introverted. I've met a lot of really great founders that are introverts, but they're just like, listen, it sucks to suck. I just got to do it. <laughs> I just got to get out there. But that's also why I go back to, there are different ways to do this. Like I've actually taken a step back from big networking events where you're just, you know, shaking as many hands as possible, yes. handing out as many business cards as possible, because that's not authentically me. I can do it and it's been an okay experience, 
But what's more authentically me is being able to have these one-on-one conversations. And like I mentioned, just finding people who I like and connect with and yeah, building from there. I hate, I hate business cards with such a passion. It's, it's insane. I'm just like, why is this still a thing? We have all this technology. Why are we not just using QR codes, something like that? And what's fascinating to me, there's metal business cards. Now there's all types of upgrades to the regular paper business cards. I'm like, this is so unnecessary. I literally take it and I get stacks of it and I put it in my drawer for maybe a couple of weeks and then it goes right in the trash because most times those conversations are great. They just don't convert too much. Uh, so, I mean, not to, you know, crush down Vista's business model for the business cards, but yeah, it's just one of those interesting things. So thinking about the last five years or so, what were certain new beliefs or behaviors or e- even habits that have improved your life the most? Yeah, I think one of the big ones for me is the concept of Stoic philosophy. Mm-hmm. So. For those who don't know, this is based on the writing of some Greek philosophers and a lot of, to sort of break it down as simply as possible, it's the concept that think about the things that are in your control and not in your control. And once you do that, you realize that what's really in your control are your own thoughts, emotions, and reactions. Everything else you have to sort of accept as is. That doesn't mean that you can try to affect it. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't work your hardest to go in a certain direction. But it's about separating the outcome from your actions and being okay with whatever outcome. You know, for those who are listening to podcasts, I know one out there is 10% happier. If you read the book, I think that's the best distillation of how to marry sort of the Western work in capitalism with sort of Eastern philosophy and and sort of bring the two together. So that's been, you know, really important to me. I like to take that belief, you know, into, into work, into management, into leadership, knowing that, you know, I am going to try my best and work in a certain direction, but I also know that there are so many things outside of my control and being okay, knowing that, you know, try my hardest and again, still fail with this venture or with anything else. But as long as I keep moving and keep having a growth mindset, that's going to continue setting me up for success. Yeah. I love that because I have something similar just doesn't stem from, from stoicism as, as much, but it's just having a personal vision Mm -hmm. and a personal mission, right? Like every company has that for a good reason, but on a personal note, no one has it defined for themselves. And so personal, my personal mission is to help a million people design deeply fulfilling careers. And what, since, since having that mission, I've just been every single opportunity that I've had, I've made sure to fact check it against that personal mission, making sure that the things, the work that I'm doing, for example, this podcast, it is aligned with who I want to become and the change that that I want to see in the world. And so I think it's, it's such an important thing to have a clear, distinct thing that you could just safe, safeguard and be like, whatever I'm going to get or the paycheck might be nice, but does this align with who I want to be? Does this align with the work that I want to push out in the world? And if not, you might want to consider something else. Yeah. I, I, so a couple of things to piggyback off that. So one, I totally agree with you. I'm looking to my left and I have my little vision board of whatever. Hey. <laughs> and you're right. It's a great North star for both professional and personal goals. I think also taking the time for that introspection is really important. 
whether it's you know setting goals and setting goals and figuring out what you want to do in the future, doing your own retrospective against those goals. Another great exercise that I've done is think about yourself 10 years ago and what are the things that surprise you about how you've grown over that time. Mm. And I think, again, 10 years is a great mark because so much can change. And listen, so much can change over yeah. two years. So doing it over a 10 year period is also a great way of, of taking stock in where you've come and giving you at least a direction for where you want to go next. Mm -hmm. And tactically, do you have a, a habit that you use to track these things? Or do you just sit down over a few hours block and you're just like, what has happened? What do I want to be doing? What's your, what's your process there? Yeah. Yeah. So I do every couple months try to take a more structured approach to looking back at the last couple months. The other thing that I've been working on, especially the last couple of years is just journaling a lot more. So mm. anything interesting that happens at work, at life, you know, I try to write down one just to sort of process why I'm seeing or why I'm feeling these ways. But it's also a great way to one track all of the accomplishments that I've made over the past, you know, couple of months, couple of years, and be able to see my own growth over that time period as well. So a lot of this really is just about sitting down, you know, find your favorite framework and just start writing and thinking a clear space. Mm -hmm. Just holding space is the most powerful thing. I think even just to hold the space to just think, mm -hmm. just to sit there 30 minutes and just let your mind run. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're just so constantly distracted with everything. There's, there's society everywhere. There's society as in our friends, there's society on our phone. There's just, we're just bombard, bombarded with society 24 seven and we're never distracted. There's never a period of time where we're bored, right? We're just, there's always a ping, a ding, a slack, tack, tack, tack. <laughs> there's just, there's just always, always, always things happening where we never get that opportunity to just sit and reflect and whatever reflections come out to actually journal that. Yeah. And able to look at that. Yeah. And, and as you think about, so coming back to starting your own independent venture, I mean, so much of starting that and at least I feel like being successful is having that focus. So mm. whether it's giving yourself focus time to, you know, figure out how to, you know, work through BD, if it's focus time on, you know, working on a client problem, focus time on, yeah, talking with customers, just being hyper vigilant about eliminating those distractions, I think is what separates, you know, good from great, especially for solopreneurs and, and other folks trying to start something out. Mm -hmm. And you would think that, you know, some of the most high achieving CEOs in the world, it, I know for a fact, most of them do this work of setting time apart, you know, away from family, away from any kind of distraction, just to focus, just to think and be creative. And if they can find the time, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure the rest of us can find the time do, as well. Do, so, do you have any specific strategies for that? Specifically, essentially what I shared there, there's so many times that I, it, looks like I'm meditating, but I'm really not, but I'm basically getting, I'm sitting down, crossing my legs and just pretending like I'm meditating. But in my mind, what I'm trying to do is get to inbox zero. Mm. So inbox zero of the mind where I'm just thinking like, so what are things that I feel like I'm falling 
behind on? What are the things that I want to improve on? What are this and that? And that to me, once I reach that state of mental clarity, quote unquote, inbox zero, at that point, I'm like, okay, cool. I can now, I've prioritized the tasks. I can now get out there and start building. That turns into, I have a Notion page that just has my full, it's basically a Kanban board that has, you know, tasks that I have that's in the backlog, tasks that I haven't started, tasks that's task that I need to start this week, tasks that I start today, and then obviously the retros. And so from from sitting, thinking, processing everything, I write, write the different tasks, and then I get out there and start executing. So, you know, everyone has their own systems, but I think the goal and the point here is to have a system. <laughs> if not, you're just going to be drifting, especially if all your friends are watching Netflix. Yeah. You're just going to be yeah. drifting with your friends and watching Netflix every day. <laughs> There's some people who absolutely can get by and do this without a system, but for, sure. I would say the vast majority of, of folks, yeah, being disciplined, mm -hmm. about, yeah, being disciplined about everything. Absolutely. Super, super, super. Well, Louis, I think we can wrap things up at this point. How do you feel? Yep. Feel good. Yeah. Awesome. So Lewis, is there a way for folks to get to know you online or websites? What's, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. Best way to reach out. You can contact me on LinkedIn. So I think it's Lewis J. Levine. You can also find me at lewisjlevine.com. And yeah, that's, I try to avoid social media going back to distractions. I try to avoid yep. other types of yep. social media as much as possible. So yeah, some things coming up there. I'm actually about to finish up a book just around some of my travels and some other things. So wow. there'll probably be more to come on both of those channels. That'd be great for sure. And all of that would be in the show notes as well. So Lois, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. So that's it for this episode. I hope you are as excited as I am to kick off your journey towards building a deeply fulfilling career. If you are a non-technical founder or know someone who is, I would love to chat please feel free to DM me via either Twitter or LinkedIn and let's connect. And if you like this episode and want to hear more of it, I would absolutely love for you to leave a quick review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also love it if you were to share this episode with your friends and or follow us on social media at microfounders. So that's it for now. Thank you so much and get out there and start building your independent businesses.